When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 16. Episode 4. This is Writing Excuses. Networking. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're part of a five-person network. I'm Dan. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Aaron. I'm Brandon. And I'm Howard. And we are going to talk about networking today. And we are delighted to have uh, both Aaron and Mary Robinette with us instead of switching back and forth like they have been throughout this course. Uh, Networking is a really valuable part of any business and certainly also of our business. And Brandon, this uh, this is your class. This was your suggestion. What uh, what do you think we need to know about networking? Well, I thought I was good at this until I met Mary Robinette. Um, <laughs> right? Like, um, for me, networking was getting to know the editors and keeping my little black book of editors and agents and publishers. Um, and then I met Mary Robinette, who introduced me to the idea of networking with the greater community and building the community. And I knew I wanted to have uh, an episode on this in the masterclass, even though I don't consider myself an expert in this particular area. That's very flattering, Brandon. Um, <laughs> I think one Mary, of the- Robinette, you know everyone. Uh, here I will put in a plug for being on the board of Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America. Uh, but but in all seriousness, volunteering is one of the best ways to to network within a community. It it allows you to see how things are working, but it also allows you to shape. Um, and this isn't this is not just the the random plug that it seems to be. One of the things that you will hear across organizations is that when you want to get involved with something, one of the best things you can do is to volunteer. And and it's because of what I just said about the um, seeing how things how the sausage is made, but also getting to getting to shape the sausage. This metaphor is going downhill very fast. <laughs> <laughs> Delicious shaped sausage. Um, one of the things because we also, I mean, one of the reasons that our podcast is what it is is because of networking. We all met each other. I've known Brandon forever, but the rest of us met each other through various professional outlets and conferences and book tours and things that we started doing together. How did we meet, though, Dan? We were both volunteering. 
We were both volunteering on a science fiction magazine. That's true. It was a student run magazine. So I guess it wasn't professional, but even so we met through the industry. Um, And then because this podcast became what it became, we started doing our own writing conference, the writing excuses retreat that happens every year. Um, Aaron is the person that we have asked to kind of lead that uh, because we met her when she was a scholarship recipient at that conference. And she's, incredible and impressed our socks right off I, I and met so her. now she's kind of running the show for us in a lot of ways and to bring this back around the most valuable thing that our students get out of the conference that we run is not us it's the opportunity to network with each other and we have seen so many writing groups form we've seen anthologies come together we've seen people get married because they met on our retreat um, there's a lot of really great networking opportunities at every level of this industry. Um, the, uh, the value of networking is something that we could all, you know, anecdotally establish and reestablish and reestablish. Um, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's in question. Um, for me, the hardest part with networking is, was, I'm better at it now, uh, I had a terrible problem remembering names, and I'd been to three or four uh, Gen Con indie events um, where I was sitting next to Tracy Hickman, and so there were bazillions of people at the booth, and I kept introducing myself to people who I'd met last year, mm. and I realized every time I was doing that, one, every time you do that, you know, oh, oh, I should already have remembered your name and I've forgotten it and I feel bad. I'm actually microaggressioning all over them by having dropped them into this index space in my brain that says, well, clearly you weren't worth remembering. And I hated that about myself. Um, And so I started trying to find ways to make my brain work differently. And the, the tool that I picked was... Uh, back in the before times when I went to restaurants all the time, um, looking at my server's name tag and using their name in conversation and just teaching myself new name, new face, might never see them again, but the name is important. And I got a lot better at it. I I dealt with the same problem uh, from a totally different way, which is that I just removed the pieces of casual small talk from my conversation that would betray whether or not I remembered someone. Hmm. Um, I I no longer ever say, so nice to meet you. I say, it was good talking to you. Um, and, And the reason is because I, at this point, meet so many people and, uh, and have learned that, that my brain just like, I, I have made efforts, um, but I don't uh, hold them. And I'm I'm starting to learn that I have a little bit of face blindness, not terrible, but enough that I will see someone that I have spent, um, you know, like had dinner with. I, I met my assistant three times before I remembered her, not as my assistant, I want to be clear, but... Um, <laughs> But, uh, and and one of those included a, a multi-hour dinner. So, and it's, uh, I find that the way my brain works, it's so contextual that I, I have better success at modifying my language than at modifying my brain. 
Erin, what are the tricks that you use for for networking and and moving around in these social spaces? The first thing I'd say is that what I love about both of the examples uh, that y'all just gave is that they're all about knowing yourself. And I think that one of the biggest pitfalls of networking can be the assumption that there's like a way that you have to do it. You see other people networking in a certain way and think, well, I need to replicate that. This person's, you know, shaking everyone's hands in the place. I'm going to do that. You know, instead of thinking like, how do you relate to people normally when you're not trying to do anything, when you're not trying to get anywhere career-wise, just in your life, and then figuring out how can you slightly expand that? So like, how can you work on that in a bigger space? And so I'm a slightly extroverted person, which in the writing world makes me an extremely extroverted person. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, and I love karaoke and I will go to karaoke bar and talk to random people. And so I know about myself that I'm okay just going up to a stranger and making conversation and I'm pretty non-threatening. And so because I'm a small person and my face somehow says I won't murder you, um, I'm able to go up to people and kind of just strike up conversation at a bar or at a reading in a way that others may not be able to. And and then later murder them. And then, yeah, <laughs> very often, well, now it's going to be hard. Spoiler warning. <laughs> the murder with song. Murder like later step in the business relationship. Mur- murder them with song. Yes. Yes. Murder them with song. That's I what I meant. I've personally been murdered by Aaron singing at least twice. Um, but murdered in a good yes, way. A very good way. <laughs> I want to pause here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply for our book of the week and mary robinette you have that it is the city we became. yes i do yes <laughs> i was like yes i do have that book <laughs> uh so the city we became is uh nk jemison's latest as we record this and i went in um not knowing what to expect it is a love letter to new york and all of the boroughs it's um it is a coming of age story about a city and uh also um intrigue and uh just it's social commentary and action and magic and it's so good and um and and very much its own book. But it's it's also one of the things that I love about it and one of the reasons that I suggested it for this is that it is very much about building your community and, uh, and, and found family. Wonderful. That is The City We Became by N.K. Jemison. So as we continue our discussion of networking, one thing that I know our listeners want to know is how to do it. How do they approach authors, how do they approach agents? How do they approach editors 
let's start with authors. Somebody wants to meet an author. How, how do they do that? So one of the things that I always suggest um, is a lesson that I learned from my mom, which is that, uh, that when you, you go up to someone, um, her, her philosophy, she was a, an arts administrator, her philosophy is that the other person is always more interesting than you are. And that when you begin a conversation, you shouldn't begin it with business. That you you should begin it with some common ground, some small talk. Small talk exists to basically say, hello, I am not a threat. So what I do when I'm approaching someone or, or when someone is approaching me, uh, the, the thing that I try to do is find that common ground. So it's things like, oh, the elevators are running really slow or man, How's the, how's the, I, I will actually now, especially in, when we are all in Zoom land, say, how is the weather where you are? And we have a conversation about weather, but it gives us this moment when we are people and we are not doing business. If I know anything about the author, um, or if I hear anything in their conversation that I am also interested in, I try to steer the conversation in that direction because saying the other person is more interesting than you are does not mean that you have to fawn over them. What it means is that you live in your own head. You experience it all the time. Anything that's coming from them is new and interesting. And you can, um, like if I, if I know someone has an interest in cars, I don't have an interest in cars, but we do have a 1952 MGTD that I have a great deal of fondness for um, so I can I can steer the conversation towards classic cars, and and then we have have some common ground, and then afterwards I become the one person that they didn't talk about the publishing business with, and I stick out in their brain more. Brandon, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I just wanted to, to throw in the reminder that getting to know authors doesn't the best things that I did early in my career was identify people that uh, were writing great books who weren't published that uh, I could make a bond with and that could um, be my, my ended up being like my friends for life in the business. And I'm kind of talking about Dan, right? Um, but people <laughs> like Dan, where both of us were in the same state in our lives, but Dan was writing these really great stories. And I knew Dan was somebody I wanted to, um, to know because I thought he made my writing better. Um, and knowing people like that in your, like, it doesn't necessarily networking with other authors doesn't have to mean going and approaching famous authors. It can mean knowing people from your community. So you have a group to grow with as you all kind of start to learn these things together. Yeah. And I'd say it's important to put as much time into like networking and building community even more with your peers as your heroes, because ultimately your peers are going to grow with you in the field, but also because in a group, if there's, if you, you don't want to be known as the person who's like looking for like, oh, like who can I network with? That's going to like move me up in the world. You want to feel like you're genuinely interested in other people. And a lot of, 
I'll say I didn't set out this way, but I've gotten a lot of opportunities in my own career from friends and peers who I just met because I wanted to meet them and they're interesting and I like what I knew they had written. But then later on, as careers start to develop, you never know when somebody might be able to like throw something your way that they're not able to do, for example. And so I think it's really important to like just care about the people around you and not get too much in your head because you're in a professional writing space and forget who you are as a person, which is a cool person who theoretically knows how to relate to at least some other people in the world. Yeah. And that's my uh, kind of primary source of, of author networking right now is throwing people jobs. Uh, if somebody comes to me about a freelance thing, I need someone to write this RPG adventure or whatever it is, and it's not a job I can take on, I will always try to suggest three or four other people instead. So instead of just saying, no, I can't do this, I'll say, please go look at these people. They do excellent work and you may not have heard of them. And that has been really valuable as a way of kind of spreading that love and and building relationships both with the authors I'm recommending and with the publishers that uh, are, are talking to me. Now, what about with editors? This is something that is maybe a little more immediately valuable to an aspiring author. How do you build networks? How do you get to meet editors and agents? Let's throw them both in there. So ultimately, I'm just going to remind people that in terms of selling a book, it, it still comes down to the work. Absolutely. Um, so what you're looking for with these conversations with agents and editors is a better understanding of the field. Um, it, it's not, you're not going to make a sale because of your relationship with an agent or editor. It might help a little bit. It might give, cause them to do a more sympathetic read, but the work itself has to be there. But when you're, you're talking to an agent or editor, there's something that I call the hierarchy of time, um, which is the idea that um, how many people want a piece of you uh, affects how valuable your time is. It has nothing to do with your actual merit as a human being. It has nothing to do with any of that. It's not that some people are worth more than others. It's just uh, the hierarchy of time is someone who's, uh, as Brandon was talking about earlier in, in a previous episode, knowing how much your time is worth, um, some of that is how many piece, people are trying to to take that. So editors and agents have a, a lot more people wanting pieces of their time than an early career writer. So they stand higher in the hierarchy of time for that reason only. Um, and so when you are talking to them, I think it is helpful to remember that so that when you are having a conversation that you are um, you are contributing to their con to to their enjoyment, uh, and I don't mean sucking up. It's just that um, because everyone is trying to get a piece of them, it is useful if you can share. You know, you can be amusing, um, and I don't mean like hello. Here is the joke that I have prepared to tell this editor, but but actually paying attention to them as a person and as a conversation. One of the things that Dan and I found is that if you're doing this at a convention, which is where we normally did it, um, actually going to that editor's panels and going in afterward and approaching at appropriate places, like at parties or things, those editors, um, to ask them about the panel, things that they said, um, and that was really handy because, number one, 
it gave us more information. This is what we were looking for. These are the experts in the field. Number two, it was a conversation starter about something we know they want to talk about. And it's, it's a way into a conversation. Uh, the other big one was always uh, we wanted to know what books um, the editor was working on and why they were excited by them. Because this, number one, gives us information again about the field. But it also is something that every editor I've met wants to talk about because it's exciting for them because they love these books, because they want to sell these books. And you're actually letting them pitch to you in that case, um, uh, which is helpful for them because maybe they'll get a sale off of it. But it's also helpful for you because you probably should go buy those books to find out what editors in the field are really excited by right now. Definitely. I think it can be very inspirational. There's, an, I love hearing editors talk about the books that they're working on and how much they love them. And at a time, if you're like in the slog of writing and it's like, oh, it will never end, seeing what the part of the process that you can get to and thinking, you know, there is so much excitement. Editors want to be publishing great work is a great way to like, for me, at least give me a little boost and get me back in front of the, the computer or the page. One thing that I, I also want to say in terms of agents and editors is, well, you should go in and, and plan to treat them like a person and, uh, and, and you know, they are, they are your peer. They're not a target is the thing we say on the writing excuses cruise all the time. Um, at the same time, be ready to talk business if they ask. So have practiced your sales pitch, you know, your, your elevator pitch. N know what you are actually writing. Do the, do that homework so that when it comes up, you can talk about it without going, well, I mean, it's kind of a fantasy. <laughs> no, she's I, saying this because she's heard me pitch books before. <laughs> I, I have. Hey, I'm really enjoying Ghost Station, by the way, which is not a fantasy. Thank you very much. Hey, look at me networking. So that's the kind of thing that you can you can do is just be prepared. What's what's Ghost Station about? Ghost Station is a Cold War spy novel uh, about a cryptographers who are on uh, in West Berlin about two months after the Berlin Wall was built in 1961. So that's what it's about. Ghost Station, Thank Ghost you. Station is a cold start to a good pitch that, um, okay, and I'm on my game. This is, that was awesome. Yeah, and that... <laughs> Thank you for, for demonstrating, Dan, why it's important to practice your elevator pitch so that when they ask, so what are you working on? Which yeah. will inevitably be a topic of conversation at the yeah. end. Well, and that you can actually answer it smoothly. In my defense, if you ask me what I'm working on, I've got a much better answer. I haven't had to pitch Ghost Station to anyone in uh, a year or more. But um, yes, these are all good things to remember. Howard, you've got something looks like you want to say. Um I may be coming at this from a, you know, a established position of luxury or whatever, but I find that networking as a, as a, I am networking, um, is really arduous. I'm an introvert. I'm not an extrovert. I like having genuine friends and I find that the most, I, I make friends by meeting interesting people and talking to them and listening to them. And, and I love that. And I have lately anyway, I have zero, uh, you know, task list in my brain, <clears throat> you know, no, 
must meet the following people. They must be able to do the following things. None of that is present. I just, I like, I like having friends and being genuine and meeting people. Um, I think it was about 15 years ago, I was at Comic-Con and got to meet Steve Jackson for the first time. It actually would have been more than 15, 17 years ago. Um, and he was a fan of my work. And suddenly we had conversations that had nothing to do with, with what we were doing. And then at one point he talked about online sales and I realized, you know what? I was talking to Scott McCloud the other day, who is a web cartoonist and who, you know, understanding comics. And I said, Steve, Scott McCloud is the expert. And I think he's right here at this convention. Let's go find him. And so I got to introduce Steve Jackson to Scott McCloud. Um, and what did I get out of that? Well, my friend Richard took a picture and it made it look like I was in the middle of a brilliant discussion between these two luminaries in their own fields. But ultimately, what I got out of it was, um, this is a fun conversation. Steve talked to Scott, talked to Steve, and I was kind of in the middle of it. And and they're just, they're good people and I like them. Um, if I ever need really need to meet an editor, what'll probably happen is I'll talk to Aaron, Mary Robinette, and say, geez, I've got this thing, and I don't even know what to do with it. Maybe it needs an editor. And one of my friends might say, oh, they're right here at this event, and walk me over and introduce me, because we're friends. It's nothing, it's not transactional at all. That is uh, all of that is one of the things I love about the publishing industry is that for the most part, it is a friendly industry full of people who want to help each other. And having worked with Hollywood, I could tell you how rare it is to be in a friendly industry full of people who want to help each other. I actually want to I want to say that that is something that is very true of science fiction and fantasy and some of the other genres. There are genres that that is not mm. true. Um and so, so just take that, uh, take that with under advisement a little bit. Erin, did you want to chime in yeah, on that? Yeah, just one other thing to take under advisement, you know, not to put a, a bad, yeah, negative spin on anything, but also remember that like networking is great, but you are important and your own safety and comfort is important. When you get into things yes. where there's hierarchies of time and power, sometimes people, if something is making you uncomfortable, if you don't feel good about a conversation you're having, you can walk away. It will not kill your career. It won't do anything. The most important thing is for you to be okay with what you're doing and the people that you're around. Yes, that's a wonderful note to end on. Thank you very much for that. Mary Robinette, you have homework for us. Yeah, so the homework that I have is that I want you to think of and think of and do five things. Uh, I want you to think of five things that you can do to help someone without getting credit. Um, it doesn't have to be completely anonymous, uh, you know, but I'm talking about doing things like... Um, you know, quietly signal boosting something, um, a donation, uh, fulfilling a wish, beta reading for someone. You know, you you get thanked for beta reading, but you don't get like big public credit for it. So things that you can do to help other people, because uh, the biggest thing with, with networking is, you know, the old aphorism, a rising tide raises all ships. So how can you help that tide rise? 
Fantastic. Thank you very much for that. This is Writing Excuses. You are out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.